Under the Tartan Sky, Episode 2, recorded 11 June 2015. In this, Scotland's year of food and drink, there is one subject that cannot be ignored. No, not haggis, whiskey! It's said there's a whiskey for everyone, but have you found yours yet? If not, we may have some tips to help narrow your search. I'm Glenn Moyer, a self-confessed Scotland obsessive and one day hopeful immigrant. Like many of you, my interest in Scotland was sparked by a family ancestry tracing back to Glasgow in the mid-1600s. My guest for this episode of Under the Tartan Sky is Mr. Tom Thompson of TomsWhiskeyReviews.com, and he joins me to talk whiskey right after this word from Scotland. Scotland, 2015 is the year of food and drink, a celebration of the country's outstanding natural larder and produce. From artisan cheeses and world-renowned whiskies to succulent seasonal berries and our broth smokies, there's an abundance of delicious regional flavours round every corner. Discover the landscapes, people and culture that make our food heritage so unique and enjoy a feast of events and festivals throughout the year. Come and experience a true taste of Scotland. It's often called the water of life, Scotch whiskey, or simply Scotch. There is no more an iconic drink associated with Scotland, but getting started in the world of whiskey can be daunting and, if you're not careful, expensive. I recently dropped $100 on a bottle of Laphroaig that made me wish that I had put that money in the bank. Well, or spent it on a good 16-year-old Jura or even uh, Glenmorangie. Joining me from Livingston, which is near Edinburgh in Scotland, and to help us sort through the world of whiskey is Tom Thompson of TomsWhiskeyReviews.com. You know, Tom, there's a well-known saying that it's dirty work, but somebody has to do it. So let's begin by you telling me a little bit about yourself and how you got saddled with such an obviously distasteful job. And you know I'm kidding, of course. (laughs) <laughs> yes, uh, thanks, Glenn. Um, I like most people in Scotland, I, I started drinking whiskey as a kid, where your parents always like letting you try a whiskey at New Year and and things like that. Um, for my 18th birthday, um, we're in, in the UK that we can drink legally, uh, <laughs> unlike in the States. Um, I got a, a bottle of Glenmorangie 10 year old for my birthday. And I've went from there, so I've been drinking whiskey for just over 22 years now. Um, always loved it, always been fascinated by everything about it. Um, and then about four years ago, decided that I needed to write down the things that I was tasting rather than just continue to taste different whiskies. Um, and having been that I had previously had a photography blog, um, I decided that I would write a, a whiskey blog um, just to put my notes on. It was all for myself. I wasn't expecting anyone to ever read it. Um, and then it went from there. So the blog, Tom's Whiskey Reviews, as it is now, in its current form, it's been running for about three years now. It's a hobby for me. It's not something I do professionally. Um, I do work with whiskey, um, but, but not in, in my blog. I, I sell whiskey for a living. 
what is the special connection between Scotland and whiskey? Um, the, the great saying in Scotland is that the Irish invented whiskey and the Scots made it drinkable. Um, <laughs> there's, always, there's always been a, a connection with whiskey from Scotland. There's a big Irish contingent in, in Scotland and that has, has always came over. So I'm quite happy to say that that's possibly what happened that it came over from Ireland and that that there. Over here, it's just, there was a, like any working man's thing for a good number of years where people would, would drink whiskey just to get drunk. Um, but that's going now. It's, it's not totally away. Um, certainly going now, but there's a, certainly a lot more people who are, who are appreciating whiskey for a connoisseur's drink rather than something just to get drunk. You know, I've as a hot air balloon pilot, which is my hobby, we drink a lot of champagne. It's a tradition in the sport. And you learn very early that uh, that only the only true champagne comes from the champagne region of France. Everything else is just a sparkling wine. Is the same true of of scotch? I mean, after all, all scotch is whiskey, but are all whiskeys scotch? No, obviously, there are whiskeys from right the way around the world. Um, from yes, our, our neighbours in England and, and Ireland and Wales, all the way to Japan, Australia, um, and the States beside you. There are whiskies all around the world. Um, interestingly, I think Scotland's probably the, one of the few places where we never ever call it Scotch. Um, it's just whiskey for us. <laughs> really? So it's only us foreigners who call it Scotch? It's, it's, it's only foreigners who call it Scotch, yeah. It's never called Scotch here. We always, it's, if, you, if somebody orders a whiskey in Scotland, they'll get a Scotch. If they order some, something else, they would get like, something else. They'd have to order like bourbon or, or Japanese whiskey. Um, but if they came in and ordered whiskey, they would just be given a scotch. See, now that's something I never knew. That's that's already I've learned something from our conversation. That's cool. When you read about scotch uh, or whiskey, you read a lot, at least I have, about different labels, and they all have their own subtleties of flavoring. They're, and I've read descriptions that it has a hint of orange or honey or vanilla or chocolate or on and on and on. And, of course, then there's the, the smoke and the peat. I've only been drinking scotch for a little over a year now, and I have a couple of my own favorites couple that maybe are not so favorite I mentioned, like the aforementioned Laphroaig. Does it take time to develop your palate and to be able to detect those subtleties? Because I got to tell you, I drink a glass of, of scotch and, and I enjoy it, but I don't know that I'm tasting honey or vanilla or cinnamon or chocolate or any of that sort of stuff. I think so. It's, it's like wine tasting. Um, you have to get to the stage of, you have to drink enough. But you also have to take your time. Not, not all at one time. <laughs> not all at one time. No, overall time. We're, we're not advocating getting drunk here. Um, it's more oh, take, taking your time, enjoying it, um, enjoying the subtleties. But you've also got to learn to, to tie back to memories. So recent memories, go, go to your local um, supermarket and pick up an apple and smell an apple. And then the next time you you pick up a whiskey that's that you read on the notes should smell of of apple. Look for it. Look for those notes. Um, most of the notes that people smell in, in whiskey come from memories. It's uh, I was at a whiskey tasting not that long ago where somebody described Lafroy. Since you're you're talking about that, it's a Lafroy bottling of smelling like TCP. We then got out a bottle of TCP and it didn't smell anything like it. But what you got was that person's memory of what TCP smelled like. 
that's what you're looking for. You're not looking for like the, those exact notes. You will get ones where, oh, that's definitely pear, or that's definitely apple, that's definitely orange. But more than anything else, it triggers a memory of what you remember that smell to be or you remember that taste to be. Well, we're, we're talking about the subtleties of flavor, but there also are distinct regions in Scotland where whiskey is distilled, and each distinct region is said to have its own flavoring, if you will. Tell me a little bit about that. So you've got um, Isla, or then the Islands, then the Highlands. Speyside, which is part of the Highlands, and technically so is Island, Islands, depending on who you talk to. Uh, Lowlands, and then Campbelltown, uh, which sometimes gets forgotten. Um, each of them have what we described as original-type um, flavour profiles. Like Most Lowlands are, are kind of light and floral. Most Iowa's are kind of heavy and um, and smoky, but there are always exceptions to the rule. Um, like Punahaban, normally from Iowa, is not smoky, it's not peaty. Um, Ardmore from Speyside is not the kind of fruity, um, sweet, kind of sherried Speycider that you expect. It's much more smoky. You know, so there are exceptions to the rules. I'm, I'm a great believer in um, rather than going with the the standard regions, that, um, I like the way the Scotch Malt Whiskey Society have done, where they've got 12 flavour groupings, and whiskies can go into flavour groupings, because even within within brands, they have like, um, different flavour profiles. If you look at um, Glenfiddich, for example, the, the 125th anniversary or the vintage cask available in travel retail are both smoky. So you can't say it's a it's a space side, so it's going to be fruity, because it's not. So just tying it down to the region isn't really exactly the right way to do it. it <laughs> sounds like your puppy is saying he'd like a wee dram as we speak. <laughs> I think she does. Um, one of the things that uh, you touched on a moment ago, and let's delve into that a little further, the fact that there are whiskies distilled around the world. Whiskey is not exclusive to scotch, while scotch, I suppose, is exclusive to Scotland. Uh, mm-hmm. or I should say whiskey is not uh, exclusive to Scotland, but scotch is, obviously. Scotch whiskey, yeah. Um, what are some of the other uh, countries around the world that are uh, distilling whiskey, and have you sampled some of those? Um, I've sampled quite a few. There's... Uh the Japanese um, whiskey, which is getting a, quite a lot of publicity at the moment, is um, I've tried some um, Bavarian whiskey from Germany, which wasn't to my palate. Uh, um, some French whiskey, which was some good and some not so good. Um, there's obviously in, in the US and in Canada, there's a, a wide variety of whiskies coming from there. Um, some Swedish whiskey, which was was outstanding. Um, and some Australian and Tasmanian whiskey, which is unbelievably, is very good. Do you have a f- sense of how many whiskies there are around the world? If one were to say, okay, well, I'm going to have a wee dram of every one there is, uh, how much drinking would you be doing? Oh, oh no, I have no idea. I, I, I think somebody recently said there was over a thousand small distilleries around the world, so it would take you quite a while to get to get through them. Um, it seems to be like lots of small distilleries popping up every, every minute. I mean, distillery-wise, there's what 110 in Scotland alone. Um, but out of those, they they have so many different brands 
that, that came out then. Um, Brigladi, for example, have Brigladi, Port Charlotte, and Octomore. So you have three brands coming out there. Um, Tobermory Distillery on Mull has Tobermory and Lecheg. So even individual distilleries have multiple brands coming out from there so based on flavour profiles. Um, so that, that kind of makes it even more difficult to look for, for them <laughs> there. Well, now, one of the popular tourist spots in Edinburgh, I know, is uh, the whiskey experience. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, I believe they claim to have the world's largest collection. And um, is that a good venue for the typical tourist who wants to learn a little bit and about and explore the world of whiskey to visit when they're in Scotland? Yeah, it's, it's a fantastic venue. Um, I was just looking earlier on because the, the, the same as you, I believe that the um, Diageo Vidic collection at uh, the whiskey experience which is about three and a half thousand bottles um is the big or the largest collection of whiskey in the world but i did see a picture on instagram recently of somebody saying that they were somewhere where there was about nine thousand bottles but i'm not sure and i couldn't find oh, it to my. confirm so <laughs> i'm going to have a hunt for that again yeah but, yeah the, the whiskey experience is fabulous and um, there's if, when you go in, um, there's a small kind of, it's like a small indoor roller coaster ride which takes you through the journey of um, of how whiskey's produced. It's quite interactive, it's good fun. Um, there's nothing too um, lectury about it, um, which I quite like. It's all interactive and fun. Um, and they do have a fabulous tasting bar with lots of whiskies that you're able to try and sample. and. The staff there are very well trained and, and very good at being able to, to help people through the, the myriad of whiskies that are out there. Well, let's move on to, uh, to, the, to the drinking of scotch. Not now, of course, and maybe a bit later. But um, for a person who is a, a novice, who's a beginner, I started to drink scotch or, okay, I'll try to correct myself. I began to drink whiskey. When uh, in preparation for my first trip over to Scotland last year, uh, I thought there's no way I'm going to go to Scotland, walk into a pub, and not order a wee dram. And and I and I had only tried whiskey when I was a very young lad, and it's a long story, but it, I just could not develop the taste. Now I'm fortunate to say that I have, uh, although my taste is uh, is very limited. You and I were discussing offline. We both share. Uh, a likeness for uh, the Jura 16-year-old. Yep, um, yep. And also, uh, Glenn, actually, Glenmorangie was my uh, first kind of go-to scotch. I started at the recommendation of some friends with a Glenlivet, and no offense to Glenlivet, but I honestly just didn't care for it. Um, and the Laphroaig that we're talking about, I'm sure it's a good whiskey, but it's just far too peaty for me. I, I'd, I'd lean toward the lighter, fruitier, I guess the Speyside whiskeys is where my palate is at this um at this point, but for when you start out as a beginner, what advice do you have for someone who is novice but wants to begin to explore drinking and enjoying whiskey? A, a good friend once once said to me recently, um, "There's a whiskey out there for everyone. It's just finding it. <laughs> so you've got to be able to go through some whiskeys that you're not going to like to be able to to get the ones that you do." So that's that's the first bit of advice. You're not going to like every whiskey. Not everyone is going to do that. Um, most people tend to start with kind of lighter whiskies. Uh, so lowland whiskies are always a good start. Um, Ockintoshin, which is triple distilled, um, other than besides the only Scotland, the only whiskey in Scotland which is entirely triple distilled. Um, so it's a lot smoother. It's a lot easier on the palate. It's one of the lowland whiskies, so. 
they do call them the lowland ladies because they're quite floral and easy to drink. Um, so things like Ockintosh and Glenkinchy are, are great starting points. Um, I would also say never be afraid to put water in your whiskey. Don't put ice in it. Um, but water, you can put as much water as you need. Even if you, if you are like one part whiskey, one part water, and that's what you need to be able to drink it, don't worry about that. And then just start there and then start trying to reduce the amount of water you put in your whiskey. So just get to, get, get it to that stage. The fruity ones, um, I quite like, um, Glenmorangie as a starter whiskey as well. Uh, with the tallest stills in Scotland, it's the lightest spirit. Um, so it's very easy to drink. Lots of kind of citrus and, and vanilla, so easy drinking. Um, but there are people out there, I, I have friends, um, and there are friends in, in the whiskey blogging community who started with Laphroaig. That was what got them into whiskey. Um, so they, they're the complete opposite, and an Ockintoshin wouldn't be to their palate. It wouldn't be the one that would make them go, all oh, whiskey's for me. The one that would, would be Laphroaig or Ardbeg. So everyone's a bit different. So um, I would just say, try try what's there. If you don't like the first one you come to, try another one. You bring up an interesting point in terms of experimenting with whiskey to, to find the whiskey that's right for you. That was yes. why I, I ventured into buying the, the bottle of Laphroaig. It sounded wonderful uh, when I read its description, and it was just entirely too peaty for me. So how do you how do you broaden your palate? How do you experiment, but without necessarily, or is there a way to experiment without having to go in and drop 50, 60, 70, 100? And, and we, you and I both know whiskeys can run into the hundreds yeah. of dollars, thousands yeah. of dollars for some brands to try something and then decide, I don't really like that. Okay, so my advice there would be, one, have a look in your, your local area for whiskey clubs. There are whiskey clubs all the way out throughout throughout the world, there are lots of places that you're able to to do that. There's small community clubs and and many towns and and villages and uh, certainly kind of larger ones in some of the larger cities in the states. And so that that's the first one. Have a look for whiskey bars. Um, I I, I know in Scotland we're quite lucky in that a lot of the the bars that we go into sell a good range of whiskeys. Um. And or so it's going into your local bars or trying to find specialist bars in the bigger cities in in the states if that's where you are or wherever you are to try and find those places that sell a range of scotch so that you can try it um, first um, buying from specialists as well if you're actually going into a retail specialist you're able to to sample a lot of the times um, unlike where if you buy online you're not going to be able to taste it before it arrives. Um, the other thing is if you can get a group of friends together, um, if you have a group of friends who you normally get round to the house for a nice party, then get the, the same group of friends round, have a chat with them and split the cost between you and try it that way. And, and that way you're not sinking $100 yourself, you're maybe splitting it between three or four friends and you go, oh, we didn't like that one, we'll get something else next time and you've got rid of the bottle in that, in that time. You know, it's easier to get through the bottle between four of you than it is to get through it yourself. That or have each friend bring a bottle of a different label, and then you can get through four or five yeah, bottles. <laughs> exactly. So things, things like that, so that's, that's a great way. I mean, friends, whiskey is always, for, for me, whiskey, family-wise, was always about having conversation over a bottle of whiskey. Um, there are lots, lots of information, lots of places on the internet that will help you with it. There are... Um, 
places, there's definitely ones in the UK where you can buy sample-sized bottles. Yes. And there are some in Europe where you can buy sample-sized bottles. So either uh, 3 or 5 CL. Um, so you're buying a small amount so you can get to try more. So I think they're a great thing to be able to try. Um, I'd love to see more of that in the in the US and Canada as well. Yeah, there there is an online service that, that I subscribe to um, called Flavier.com. And uh, and you can buy um, like little five bottle uh, sampler kits through them, um, so that that is available if you go out and search for it. Is there a proper etiquette to uh, to how you should taste a scotch, especially the first time when you're you're tasting it to decide, am I going to like this or not? If you're tasting something, for me, if I'm tasting something to review, which is the way I would say the best way to do it, so I use a uh, I use a Glencairn glass, but if you have any kind of tulip-shaped glass, um, they're much better than ones that are straight-sided. So that's your first point, is the glassware. Find that. Um, have your whiskey at room temperature. Don't have it at um, sitting in the fridge and don't have it sitting in the back garden if you stay in, in Florida, so it's going to be roasting hot. You know, have, have it at room temperature so that you're, you're sitting there. Um, Pop it into the glass, give it a swirl about um, when you're nosing it. So nose first. Um, the first thing you're going to get is a, a big whiff of alcohol. So <laughs> ignore the first you thing. Mean you're, you mean you're not going to get it. that orange or, or the vanilla <laughs> yeah. or those things first, huh? No, the first time you put it to your to your, to your nose, you're going to get a big whiff of alcohol. It's the same as the first time you sip it. All you're going to get is alcohol. So give it a second or two. Take a second sniff. Sniff with your, your mouth open. It sounds really silly, but if you're kind of breathing right the way through, it allows all the the vapors to travel right across all your your, your senses, and you get a, a better nose from it. Uh, when you when you take a sip, take a first sip. Um, I like Richard Parsons' uh, way of doing things, which is um, if it's a ten year old whiskey, keep it in your in your mouth for ten seconds. So a second for every year that the whiskey has. Swirl it about um, and then swallow gently. Um, but the first time you do that, especially if it's the first time you've drank whiskey, um, whether that's bourbon or um, or Japanese whiskey or scotch, if the first time you drink a spirit is 40% or, or stronger, like cask strength whiskeys can be up to 60, 65% or more, it's going to be alcohol. Like a lot of people drink um Jack and Coke, things like that. So they're used to a mixed drink. They're not used to the alcohol level. So the first thing you're going to get is just alcohol. If it if it nips and burns either your lip or your tongue, add water until it doesn't. And then once it, once you've done done that, take a second sip, and that's when you get all the flavour from it. Okay, that's good information. And yeah, I don't normally take the time to. I guess I haven't been sampling it properly. Maybe I should go back and try that Lefroy again and see if I get a better result <laughs> this time around. <laughs> it, it certainly is it's worth trying. It's um, for, for for me, I see it quite a lot in, in my job. Part of my job is to give out samples of whiskey. Um, and unfortunately, we do it in little plastic cups. Um, but when we give them out, we, we find people just shooting the whole thing back. And they're never going to taste it. They're never going to... Like smell it, they're never going to get that flavor. They're never getting a real perception. So even if you're a, a a retailer who are able to give you samples, take your time with it. Don't just knock it back. Do take your time with it and, and get used to it. You're you're using that to to judge whether or not you're going to make a purchase. 
That's a good um, point because we, we see in the movies all the time, you know, somebody has a glass of whiskey and, and it's just, and, and they shoot it like you would a jello shooter or something. And yeah. that's not, whiskey is meant to be a sipping drink, isn't it? Yeah, it's not frozen vodka. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just, just, just sip it. It's, it's not there. Is an older scotch always a better scotch? I mean, is it necessary that the 10-year-old uh, Jura is not as good as the 16-year-old, which is not as good as the 22-year-old, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, but th- th- this is a con- con- kind of controversial point at the moment because there's lots of no-age statement whiskies out there in the market, and there's people out here who have big opinions on this. Um, and my opinion on it is that the whiskey industry have got it wrong for a long time. Because um, for a long time, what we've been told is that the older the whiskey, the better the whiskey. Okay. Yeah. And and that's not always true. Um, the 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 sixteen year old Jura I love. I can have that every day. It's beautiful drinking whiskey. The twenty one year old I can't drink as much. It's very rich. It's a bit, bit too rich for me. So it just it suits different palates. So there's there's no saying that just just because it's older doesn't make it better. Just because it's more expensive doesn't make it better. What what to do is to find someone who's got that bottle, find someone who's who's able to let you sample that and try it. If it's to your to your palate and you enjoy it, and it's at a price that you think's good value for money, then what's the problem? I I love Glenmorangie Ten Year Old. It's it's one of my favourite whiskies. And uh, and in fact, I've been having lots of discussions recently this week on Twitter. Um, because I tasted a uh, um, a green whiskey, so um, uh, <laughs> are you aware of the difference between malt and green whiskey, or is this something I'll need to explain as well? Well, I'm uh, aware of it, but but maybe we should go into that just a little bit as well. So we'll we'll do a very quick overview of that. So malt whiskey um, is made entirely from 100% malted barley in a copper pot still. Uh, green whiskey is made from other grains, so either maize or wheat, um, generally sometimes corn, um, and they are made in a continuous still, a coffee-type still. So um, it's very different ways of doing them. Um, the grain whiskey is, is made to a much higher proof, um, so it's, it's made to alcohol volume-wise, ABV-wise, it's made to about 94%. Um, so there's not as much flavour in the initial spirit as there is in malt whisky, but it's much lighter and it's, it's a really good base for blended whisky. And blended Scotch contains a mix of both green whisky and malt whisky. So <laughs> that's the, the the quick overview. Okay. Uh, gen, generally, green whisky is is better on its own at older ages. Um, so when it gets to 20 or 30, and that's not to do with age is better, that's to do with it's had more time in the cask. So um, generally they're put into ex-bourbon casks, um, and and it takes time for the flavour to come through. Um, but recently I tasted a bottling from Douglas Lang in Glasgow, um, which was a nine-year-old Strathclyde green whiskey from an ex-sherry cask, and it's... Probably for me, one of the best whiskies I've ever had, and it's nine year old. So, what does it matter whether the next time I go and taste something that's thirty year old and I don't like it? You shouldn't be worried about age. Worry about 
whether you like it or not. Yeah. Well, then I suspect this next question is also another one that has great controversy around it. And that is the question you just touched on single malt or blended whiskey. Um, okay. So depending on the occasion, if you're putting any mixers in it, don't do it with a, a single malt, do it with a blend. Um, but again, it comes down to what you enjoy. Um, there, there are a lot of malt snobs, people who think that um, blended whiskey is is inferior, but it's not. Um, I'm trying to think who it was. I'm pretty sure it was Richard Parson from White and Mackay and Gerard Dalmore. Um, now, he's not everyone's favourite person, but his, his description of it was ideal, which was to say a single malt is like... Um, an instrument in an orchestra. Think of it like a, um, a violin. So if you have a solo violinist, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful instrument. It's a beautiful sound, and you can really appreciate that that sound from that instrument. And you can do lots of things with that instrument, but it's, it's that instrument on its own. A blended whiskey is a mix of different instruments. So it's like having a full orchestra where you get much more sound, much more balance. And that's that's why a blended whiskey isn't as um, powerful to watch or to drink sometimes as like you know it's like it's like a violinist. A violinist on their own can be very powerful on its own, but so can a full orchestra. But the orchestra tends to have more balance, and and an instrument on its own when it's good, it's very good. So I think that's that's a good an, a good analogy. Is that you know the single malt is is like a, a single instrument played very well, and uh, a blend is like an orchestra playing very well. You you get much more balance. You get more flavors. It's more complex, but you have to want to appreciate that. Well, you've been sampling whiskeys and reviewing whiskeys for a number of years now. Do you have a preference uh, yourself as to a single malt or the blended? Um. No, not really. I, I, I'm a huge fan of Jura. Um, anyone who knows me knows that I'm a huge fan of Jura. Um, so I, I love the Jura 16-year-old. Um, I'm a great fan of good blends as well, I think is the best way to put it. Um, many people when they experience blended whiskey ex- experience uh, Famous Grouse Bells, White Mackay, Johnny Walker Red, um, these kind of things, and they are great starting whiskies. Um, but they're not examples of how good uh, blended whiskies can be. So there are some absolutely fabulous blended whiskies out there from um, from people like um, Alistair Day at Tweeddale. So the Tweeddale blend um, is outstanding. Um, it's, he's making it based on a recipe his granddad made um, hundreds of years ago, a hundred years ago. Um, and there's only... I think eight malts plus one grain in there, but it's stunning. It's a fabulous whiskey. Um, so when you get things like that, or um, some of the, the blended whiskies like Great King Street from Compass Box, these are fabulous. They're really, really good whiskies. And to say uh, it's a blended whiskey, I'm not going to drink that. You really are missing out. Let's answer the real question. I mean, the the elephant in the room, and that is, what in the heck is a wee dram? Uh, <laughs> so this is um, now. Uh, there's been a big campaign in, in in Scotland by the guys who run uh, Spirit of Speyside, 
and the, the whiskey festival. They want a dram to be recognised as a an official measurement of alcohol. Okay. So, um, in their views, a UK measurement of alcohol is about 25 mils um, is, is a standard kind of bar measure um, of alcohol, about 25 mils. So, they think a dram should be 25 mils. Um, the problem is people use, people in Scotland and who are, who are born here and brought up here, we use the term we. Um, for everything. Not, not, yeah, for everything. It doesn't, I mean... People generally think it means small, but it doesn't. <laughs> so if, if I said to you, um, Gwen, you come in for a wee dram. What I'm saying to you is come into the house and we'll have quite a lot of whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. well I, I, I gladly accept. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the best example I can give you, give you of this is a story that, that happened to my mum. So we, we have family in uh, North Uist. Uh, which is one of the, the Hebridean islands. So my mum went to visit family. So you're going back probably about 50 years. And back then, it was much more um, if you were visiting family or visiting friends. So they were at, at one house and they would go to the neighbours. And the great ex expression in Scotland is, you'll come in for a wee dram. So you're basically invited into the house to have a drink. Now, it's rude to say no. And then you're handed a a glass of whiskey. Now, the other thing in Scotland is the generosity of a man is measured by the size of his dram. Okay? So, it would not be unusual for you to be invited in for a wee dram and then be offered a half-pint tumbler filled to the top with whiskey. Um, it, it's rude to, to say no to coming in. It's rude to not drink some of it. So, even if you just touch the glass to your lips, you're you're not being rude to your host. Um, it'd be very unusual to have people be that generous with you now. Um, but a wee dram for for somebody who's who's Scottish does mean you're going to come in and let's let, let's have a few whiskies. It doesn't just mean uh, like a very small measure. Um, just to to say I'm going for a wee dram means I'm going to have a few whiskies. Well, tell me a little bit about uh, Tom's. WhiskeyReviews.com. What kind of information is there? What kind of whiskeys can we find out about? Um, I know that's been you've been doing that now for quite some time. Yeah, so so just over three years in the, the current format. Um, I have mainly whiskey, although there are some um, gin, bourbon, uh, rum, cider reviews on there, um, or I don't know if reviews is a good word. Uh, tasting notes. Um, it's probably what I would prefer. <laughs> like if I could go back now, three years, I'd probably rename it Tom's Whiskey Tasting Notes. But <laughs> it's not quite as snappy. Uh, but it's, it's there. So there's about 950 um, reviews on there. Um, I don't score whiskies. I don't believe in it. Um, I don't believe in giving it a, a, an arbitrary number. Um, although I know a lot of people who do, and um, good on them. I just couldn't justify it, um, but there's everything um, on there from Glen Morangy, ten-year-old to sixty-year-old Strathclyde, uh, uh, sixty-year-old um, Speyside whiskies. So there's a whole host of of information on there about some of the whiskies on what I find in them, um, but it's my opinion 
of, of what I find in them. So it's linked to, to, as I was saying earlier on, when I notice and taste something, I'm going back to memories I have. Um, so it's it's my tasting notes and what I get in them. So I would never take it as gospel. It's a, it's a guide for anyone who's looking at it. Um, I also post a, a lot of kind of press releases and information about new releases and things that are happening in the whiskey world. And occasionally I, I have a little bit of a rant or an opinion piece <laughs> and let people know what I think about certain things. Definitely. Hey, Tom, uh, thanks so much for sharing your wisdom about whiskey with us. I, I do appreciate your taking the time. And let me just wrap up by saying you're welcome to go out and have a wee dram now and just put it on my tab. <laughs> Thank you very much, Glenn. It's been great talking to you. My thanks to my guest, Tom Thompson of TomsWhiskeyReviews.com. You'll find the link to his website and many of the others that we discussed in the show notes on our website at www.underthetartansky.scot. And remember, if there's something Scottish you'd like to know more about, we'll simply get in touch. We'll try and find the appropriate guest and schedule them for a future show. You can do that by emailing me at info at underthetartansky.scot. Until next time, I'm Glenn Moyer. Slanjava to your health. Under the Tartan Sky is a production of Glenn L. Moyer Creative Communications. Learn more on our website at www.glenlmoyer.com. For show notes and more information on this and all Under the Tartan Sky episodes, please visit our website at www.underthetartansky.scot. And while you're there, check out our online shop where you can buy exclusive Under the Tartan Sky logo apparel and other items. Have an idea for a future episode? Well, get in touch via email at info at underthetartansky.scot. Visit and like our page on Facebook and follow us on Twitter, where our username is at underscore tartansky. That's the underscore symbol, tartansky. And thank you for listening. <laughs>